Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury. Welcome to the fourth AV Forums podcast. In this, our longest edition ever, we have the usual DVD and gaming news and reviews, and the last instalment of our LCD TV Buyer's Guide, plus an interview with Telly West about their high-definition TV service. But we kick off with the news. This week's Audio-Visual News. In this episode, more about Sky HD, our first glance at an HD DVD player, and coming our way, new projectors, wireless home cinema, and portable DVD with Freeview. If you were late to Sky's high-definition party, fear not. Sky's announced that it's now taking orders for its HD service from the general public, having already dealt with people who pre-registered. Not one to miss a party, our roving reporter John Archer recently attended a Toshiba product launch. The company was proudly showing off a genuine production sample of its debut HD DVD player, which it solemnly promises to launch in the UK by autumn. We're happy to report that the pictures from the HD DVD player, comprising a range of HD trailers featuring the likes of Batman Begins and King Kong, all look nothing short of stunning. In fact, they unfortunately made some European HD satellite broadcasts Toshiba was showing look rather uninspiring by comparison. Let's hope Sky's HD efforts don't leave us similarly cold. One of the best things about high-definition pictures is the fact that they excel on huge screens, which might explain the sudden flurry in the home projection market. Norwegian company Projection Design, for instance, is filling the time before officially launching its high-end 1080p DLP projector with its new, clumsily named Action Model 2. This HD-ready 720p resolution projector boasts some impressive specs, including a claimed contrast ratio of more than 4,000 to 1, an interference-reducing single-chip image scaling system, and a seven-segment colour wheel, using neutral-density green technology to enhance colour and shadow detailing while tackling DLP's rainbow effect. What's more, projection design claims to individually calibrate the colour tone of every Action Model 2 as it comes off the production line, ensuring that it's perfect for video sources. To finish the job, all this top tech has been squeezed into a remarkably small and glamorous body, available in three different colour schemes. And having spent some quality time with this beast, we can report that its performance makes its £3,500 asking price look very reasonable indeed. Korean giant Samsung also fancies a slice of the projector pie and has launched its first UK projector, the £2,400 SP8710AE. This DLP model is surprisingly ambitious for a debut machine, boasting full HD readiness and a colour reproduction system that Samsung claims is the first that selects colour coordination values consistent with specific broadcasting formats, be they region-specific NTSC, PAL, CCAM or ATSC. Also hitting the streets now is the new XVZ3000, mid-range DLP video projector from Sharp, and three new projectors from InFocus, including a sexy-looking and affordable new HD-ready model, the £1,700 IN76. The only bad news to report is that Toshiba have put back the launch of its ET10 and ET20 super-close projectors. Able to show a 0.65-metre image while positioned just 20 centimetres from your screen, these innovative machines were originally due this month. 
but problems with the quality of the 5.1 surround system built into the DVD combo model have forced Toshiba to push back the launch to the autumn. In other news, Philips is about to unleash the UK's first 6.1 wireless surround sound home cinema system. The Cineos HDS 9800W, which picked up a 2006 CES Innovation Award, distributes its sound using a three-channel, uncompressed digital wireless transmission system, reckoned to be practically immune to interference and capable of producing outstanding audio quality. The package includes a set of flat panel speakers that can be wall-mounted if you so desire, HDMI connectivity for upscaling DVD pictures, 800 watt of total power, a touchscreen control system, and playback of Super Audio CDs, as well as the Dolby Digital EX 6.1 surround sound format. Finally, we get to the most fun gadget we've seen since our last podcast, Toshiba's SDP30DT portable DVD player. Portable DVD players are nothing new, of course, But what distinguishes the £350 P30DT is the small matter of a built-in Freeview digital TV tuner, complete with portable aerial for viewing on the move. Okay, yes, the P30DT is a touch bulky for a portable device, and the Diddy Aerial only delivers the goods where Freeview reception is strong. But when you can receive Freeview pictures, and with DVDs of course, the picture quality from the 9-inch screen is outstanding. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums Podcast. Visit play.com now for our biggest ever Easter sale. Whether you're gearing up for the World Cup, a serious gamer, or a DVD fanatic, why not experience it all on a brand new high-def ready TV from Play.com? A Samsung 27-inch high-def LCD is only $549.99, a saving of £150. Or how about the Toshiba 42-inch high-def LCD with integrated free view for only $1749.99, delivered free within the UK, a saving of £250. That's right, a 42-inch high-def LCD for well under £2,000. Whilst you're there, why not grab a Blockbuster DVD from just £2.99 or unleash your primal instincts on PlayStation 2 with King Kong for only £9.99. The sale ends on April the 18th, so beat the rush and log on to play.com now to start saving. The AV Forum, DVD News and Review Roundup with Phil Hinton. Welcome to the DVD News and Reviews. Coming up, psychological horror in the dark, Oscar winner Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote, and tense Australian drama with the proposition. DVD News. In Region 1 DVD News, New Line Home Entertainment will release Final Destination 3, the third instalment of the popular horror series on Region 1 DVD from the 25th of July. The DVD will feature a 240-1 anamorphic transfer and both DTS and Dolby Digital 5.1 soundtracks. Extras on the two-disc set will include commentary tracks, a Choose Their Fate featurette, its all-around-us animated short, as well as three further featurettes, deleted scenes, alternate endings and a trailer. Fox Home Entertainment will release Mr and Mrs Smith, the 2005 unrated collector's edition, on Region 1 DVD on June 6th. The unrated cut is about 5 minutes longer than the theatrical version and will feature a 235-1 anamorphic transfer and both DTS and Dolby Digital soundtracks. Extras will include a commentary, deleted scenes, alternate ending, three featurettes, a making-of documentary and a photo gallery. 
DreamWorks will release Munich on Mujaman DVD on May 9th. The film, directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Eric Banner and Daniel Craig, will be available to own on either a single or double disc limited edition. Extras on the single disc edition will include a video introduction by Steven Spielberg. Extras on the double disc will include the same introduction as well as an in-depth seven-part behind-the-scenes documentary. Both editions will feature anamorphic transfers and Dolby Digital soundtracks, although full specifications are yet to be officially announced. And to wrap up the Region 1 news, Universal, the studio who solely backed the HD DVD format, has announced the first disc will be Serenity on April 18th. This will be followed a week later by Apollo 13 and Doom. There are no firm details at this time on pricing. In UK Region 2 news, Buena Vista has announced the release of Memoirs of a Geisha on Region 2 DVD from the 5th of June. The DVD will feature an anamorphic transfer and Dolby Digital Sound, along with a host of extras including a commentary track, four featurettes and three photo galleries. Buena Vista has also announced the release of Chicken Little on Region 2 DVD from the 22nd of May. The disc will have an anamorphic transfer, Dolby Digital Sound and the extras will feature deleted scenes with three alternate openings, a making-of featurette, music videos as well as interactive features. And that rounds up our DVD news for this edition. This week's DVD Reviews This is so your father. Daddy! <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> hey, boy! Sarah, time to go! Sarah! Why don't you go back and stay with her? I'll let you know if we find anything. I want to be there when she's found. The night Sarah went missing. I saw a girl. You saw a girl? Yes, out in the yard. Sarah? Is that who you're looking for? Only just starting its UK cinema run, The Darklands on Region 1 DVD this month, starring Sean Bean and Maria Bello. The film is set on the Welsh coastline, where their daughter Sarah goes missing, presumed drowned. However, another young girl called Ebril appears and looks very similar to Sarah, but she claims she died over 60 years ago. The movie itself relies on stingers for the most part, but also seems to feel very similar to several of the most popular Asian horror movies, notably The Grudge and The Ring. We have the presence of water and cliff tops, which The Ring parallels are drawn from, a young girl with long hair as a protagonist, and a very unusual ending. The 185 to 1 anamorphic transfer is very good with no obvious damage or compression issues. It's also very dark in the latter part of the movie, but the image holds up well. The Dolby 5.1 soundtrack is very atmospheric, again drawing parallels with the grudge with its use of deep LFE effects, especially during the stingers. Extras are, however, a little disappointing in light, and it all feels a little too familiar. But for fans of psychological horror, you'll probably enjoy this. The DVD scores 5 out of 10. Go see what you've woken. 
this week's DVD Reviews. On the night of November 14th, two men broke into a quiet farmhouse in Kansas and murdered an entire family. Oscar winner Philip Seymour Hoffman lands on Region 1 DVD as Capote. In 1959, the brutal murder of an entire family in a small Kansas town sent shockwaves through the United States. One-of-a-kind author Truman Capote was sent to pen an article about the crimes for the New Yorker magazine. He ended up writing one of the most celebrated books of the century, In Cold Blood. The movie follows this period of his life as he begins to focus on human nature, making friends throughout the community, including the killers. The 235 to 1 anamorphic transfer does suffer from its low budget origins with muted colour palette and large amounts of grain. However, it is surprisingly detailed and sharp and handles the subject matter well. The movie is dialogue heavy, and to be fair, the Dolby 5.1 sound mix is never asked to do anything over the top. It does, however, feel ambient and allows the dialogue to come over crisp and clear. Extras are rather average at best, and a real insight into this author is really missing from the rather light featurettes. Overall, it's a stunning performance from Hoffman and an interesting story. The disc is recommended. Have you read the article about the killings in Kansas? I think that's what I want to write about. Hello, my name is Truman Capote. You will be stunned by Perry Smith. It's as if Perry and I grew up in the same house. He stood up and went out the back door, while I went out the front. Guilty. What is the sentence? Death. When I think how good my book can be, I can hardly breathe. He'll be dead by September. I'm going to help find you a proper lawyer. Thank you. If those boys get off, I'm coming to Brooklyn to hunt you down. I've decided on a title for my book, In Cold Blood. This week's DVD Reviews. Do I need to introduce myself? I've kept company with bad men all my life. I wish to present you with a proposition. I suppose I told you there was a way to save your little brother Mikey from the noose. Suppose I gave you a horse, a gun. So what is it that you want? I know where your brother Arthur Burns is. It is a godforsaken place. You want me to kill me, brother? I want you to kill your brother. Word has it. You promised those animals who raped Eliza Hopkins a pardon if Charlie Burns brought back his brother. Arthur Burns is a monster, an abomination. It is he who is responsible for this outrage. Your brother's come to kill you. I can help. Still to have its US theatrical release and only now hitting screens in the UK, the proposition arrives on Australian Region 4 DVD this month. With an array of star names from Guy Pearce to Ray Winston and John Hart to Emily Watson, this UK-Australian co-production has received good press lately. Following a deal struck between an outback lawman and his prisoner Pearce, we're taking on a slow-burning thriller set in the 1880s Australian outback. Pearce has to make a choice. His younger brother is to be hanged on Christmas Day, but if Pearce can find and kill his older brother, then the lawman, played by Winston, will issue a pardon. 
It's a marvellously atmospheric mood movie that's backed up by some powerhouse performances. Nick Cave's writing is stylish, eloquent and mannered, and John Hillcoat's direction is considered and strong. The 235 to 1 anamorphic transfer is captivating, but not quite as sharp as some of the other releases out there. Wide-angled shots can appear slightly soft and hazy. Fine detail is good and visible, with only slight signs of edge enhancement. The sound mix in Dolby 5.1 is ambient and strong with good, albeit sporadic, use of the surrounds. The front soundstage is wide with good panning effects and clear dialogue. However, extras are thin on the ground with only one featurette. The disc is above average apart from the lacking extra features, but the film is strong and comes highly recommended. The disc scores 7 out of 10. If you have to kill one, make sure you bloody will kill them all. Love is the key. Love and family. Channel check. Left channel, right channel. Europe's number one audio-visual resource. This is the AVforums.com. We'd like to thank MovieTime.com for supplying the review DVDs for this podcast. All three of the featured titles are shipping now. And now it's time for the gaming news with Neil Gardhouse. The AV Forums podcast, Gaming News. Thanks, Phil. Following on from our first report, the free preview of Guild Wars Faction seems to be enjoyed by many who took part. New character classes of Ritualists and Assassins were fully playable in both PvE and PvP, as well as the original six character classes. Since that report, more details have been announced, such as four new types of armour for the existing classes, as well as a considerable amount of new spells in both the regular and the elite forms. For example, Minion Masters finally have an elite skill that's useful with the animate Bone Golem spell. But that's not all. The new areas available for exploration had some considerable challenges, which make this very attractive for those who have reached level 20 and crave something new. Couple this with expansive guild and faction challenges plus the usual additional content that is added throughout the year and April the 28th is looking very exciting for fans of the game. Of course if you pre-order the game you can get a 24 hour head start but if you can't wait till then check it out for yourself at guildwars.com. Japanese gamers have effectively rejected the Xbox 360 console forcing Microsoft to stage a press conference relaunching the console with some homegrown games more suited for the Japanese audience. At the moment they've announced a new Final Fantasy game, an unknown titles RPG from the creators of Star Ocean, and yet another two role players from Horio Final Fantasy Sagagachi, which are named Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey. No longer with Squaresoft, Hirono apparently took several key members of the Final Fantasy development team, so if these games only appear in Japan we have very good reason to be jealous. And finally, exciting news for Nintendo fans, the first Revolution game is named. Red Steel by Ubisoft appears to be a game that will heavily rely on the innovative controller of the Revolution. You will need to run, duck and jump around the Japanese underworld wielding either guns, fists or get this, a katatana sword. The mind boggles with the possibilities of how you will use the sword with the controller, but as Ubisoft have made quite a name for themselves with the Splinter Cell games, this should be a solid launch title. That's been this week's gaming news, and now back to Phil. Thank you, Neil, and that brings this edition of the Software News and Reviews to a close. 
Remember to log in to the DVD and gaming forums for further news and reviews, and we'll be back with more for you next time. Bye for now. Coming soon. Your DVD resource. AVPlay.com The AV Forums Podcast Buyer's Guide For the final part of our LCD Buying Guide trilogy, we get to what's the most important and obvious yet least understood aspect of choosing a TV. It's picture performance. Even if you've got a good eye for what constitutes an impressive LCD picture quality, and we honestly have to say that most people don't, you probably don't fully appreciate how many different elements go into making some pictures better than others. But knowledge of these elements is essential if you're going to find a TV that's a true all-rounder, rather than one that just excels with one picture element at the expense of the others. For instance, shopgoers are often seduced by simply the brightest screens on a shop's shelves, only to find that when they get the TV home, it has no contrast range at all. In fact, contrast is arguably the most important thing to look for. An LCD TV's contrast is the range between its brightest whites and darkest blacks, and it can have a massive impact on how good a picture looks, especially for film viewing. At the bright end of things, look for peak whites that don't have a green, blue or pink tinge to them, and which don't seem overexposed or bleached. To be fair, most modern LCD TVs don't have much trouble with doing crisp, credible whites, but there are certainly plenty that still struggle when the going gets dark. Two main problems can affect an LCD TV's black levels. First, dark scenes can look grey rather than black, as if they're appearing through a layer of mist. This makes the picture seem flat and lacking in detail. Second, even TVs that can produce dark picture parts that actually look black can sometimes lack the finesse to reproduce subtle shade differences in dark areas. Dark picture areas can thus look like black holes torn out of the picture rather than a natural part of it. So we'd advise that you take a predominantly dark test movie like Alien into a shop whenever you're looking to buy an LCD TV. The next factor we look for on an LCD TV concerns colour. Again, there are two main considerations, vibrancy and tone. When it comes to vibrancy, there can be big differences between individual LCD sets depending on their brightness outputs and core panel designs. To pick the wheat from the chaff, Try TVs with a particularly vibrant scene, like the crop dusting segment in Independence Day, or an animated film like Shrek. Colour richness and brightness actually tend to be general LCD strengths, but unfortunately this can blind buyers to the technology's problems with colour tone. LCD TVs currently struggle to show a really wide range or gamut of colours. And so while a particular LCD TV might do a good job with vivid reds or blues, it could also deliver a green tone that looks unnatural, or skin tones that make actors look like they're about to throw up. Alien is, again, a great test of an LCD TV's colour tone subtleties, thanks to its shots of people's faces under low-light conditions. With high definition already here, our next key LCD picture element has to be sharpness. Various factors can affect how crisp and detailed an LCD's picture looks, including native pixel resolution, the quality of a set's scaling technology, elements of a set's image processing engine, and how well a set handles motion. To test an LCD TV's sharpness and detailing, we'd recommend trying a scene containing a few trees and seeing how well defined the leaves are. It's worth adding that some TVs can force their sharpness too, resulting in a grainy image often accompanied by dot crawl and harsh edges. Remember as well that for now at least, an LCD TV is unlikely to enjoy an exclusive diet of high definition. So check how sharp an LCD's TV picture is with standard definition sources. 
it's not at all uncommon for an LCD TV to look pin sharp with high definition, but really quite messy with standard def. We mentioned a minute ago that motion can cause sharpness problems with LCD TVs, and this warrants more attention. It's to do with something known as response time, the amount of time it takes for a liquid crystal cell to go from active to inactive, and back to active again. If a screen's response time isn't very good, fast-moving objects and camera pans can look blurred. Poor response times can mean that a TV that looks sensational with mere static images can fall apart when things start moving. So, if possible, try your shortlisted TVs with a scene containing some frenetic action. Next on our TV checklist is image artefacting, by which we mean the nasty side effects that some manufacturers' picture processing engines can throw up. Things to look out for include colour banding, grain, smearing, blockiness and image lag. Anything, in fact, which looks like it's been added by the TV's processing systems rather than being inherent to the picture source. There are just two more things worth covering, neither of them complicated. The first is viewing angle. If some people are likely to have to watch the TV in your home from an angle, check how much of an angle you can watch your shortlisted TV from before its picture loses serious amounts of contrast and colour. Finally, pay close attention to edges in a picture, looking out for ghosting, bright halos and jaggedness. And that, thankfully, is that. We know you probably won't find a single TV that addresses perfectly all the picture elements we've covered. But at least you now have a checklist that might help you compile some sort of scorecard for all the different TVs you're interested in. The biggest news and DVD reviews every week. You're listening to the AV Forums Podcast. From March the 10th, 2006, Telewest's high-definition box called the TV Drive has been available for over 4.5 million homes which fall in the company's catchment area. The high-definition programmes are offered via the cable company's TV-on-demand service called Teleport. The TV Drive has all the functionality of the Sky Plus box, but with the addition of an extra tuner, allowing the recording of two channels while watching a third. Connectivity is great with a couple of SCARTs for standard definition, though we're not interested in those, of course. For high definition, you get both an HDMI connection and Component Plus optical sockets. There are also USB and Ethernet connections. TV Drive's installation is free for new customers and £50 for existing customers. There's an additional charge of £10 per month for the box when customers take the company's top digital TV package, or £15 per month otherwise. The high-definition content currently available is from the BBC Worldwide channel. This week, Phil Hinton caught up with the head of TV product management, Richard Guest, to get the inside track on Telewest's future HD service. The AV Forums podcast special feature. Richard, welcome and thanks for joining us. Hi, glad to be here. People have been talking about the Telewest high-definition service on the AV Forums. Following the merger with Telewest and NTL and the combined company being named NTL, is it right to refer to the service as being from Telewest or NTL? The service is currently from Telewest, although we are now part of NTL. Although the two companies have merged, it is business as usual for the immediate future, and customers of both companies won't see any changes to their service services in the short term. So for the moment, the TV Tribe service is available in Telewest areas. How difficult have you found the technical challenges posed by high-definition broadcasting? TV Drive is both the first PVR and high-definition product we've produced, and therefore the developing this box has been a a steep leaning curve for all of us. 
In addition, the standards for HD, and particularly connectivity with HD-ready screens, have been generated while we made the product. Having said all that, um, our on-demand platform gives us an advantage because on-demand content is significantly easier to do than broadcast, and it's enabled us to be the first TV platform to launch HD in the UK. Given the huge amounts of data required for high-definition pictures, are there any bandwidth issues with cable that might limit the service or the scale of service? Not at all. Our network is designed for bandwidth-intensive services, such as video on demand or high-definition. Indeed, we chose to develop our PBR using the established MPEG-2 encoding technology rather than MPEG-4 because the slightly higher bandwidth requirements of MPEG-2 weren't an issue for us. Given the number of other issues related to MPEG-4, we are confident we made the right choice. Exactly what format will your high-definition service use? Will it be 720p, 1080i or 1080p? Our box supports both 720p and 1080i. Uh, it doesn't support 1080p, however, we don't think anyone's going to broadcast in that because of the bandwidth requirements. We've, uh, we've asked forum members using Telewest High Definition for their thoughts, and we have a couple of issues with the hardware which we wanted to put to you. Firstly, we've heard that the problem with picture shifting to the left of the screen when the HDMI connection is being used will be fixed in a software update. Is there a confirmed date for that to happen? This is a known teething issue and uh, will be fixed in the next code release, which should be around the middle of this month. Well, that's great news for for everybody that uses the the TV drive system. And people have commented that the menus are are somewhat slow. Is this something likely to be fixed in the near future? Again, we were aware of this, particularly in the pilot stage. Um, We've already implemented a number of fixes to improve the speed substantially. And, of course, now that we've launched, we've got the uh, focus to optimise the code and increase the speed of the menus. Because we really do want to offer the smoothest experience possible. One of our readers, Nigel Brown, contacted the AV Forum's AV Doctor with a couple of questions about the TeleOS TV drive box um, that he's just had installed. First, Mr Brown wonders why, when playing the TV drive box through an HDMI connection to his Panasonic Plasma in 1080i, the menu system is still being shown in 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Okay, this is a complicated one, but essentially many standard definition TV channels don't broadcast in widescreen, but some viewers may not have noticed it because the uh, TVs allow you to alter the picture format when connected via a scar. Typically, you can set the picture to 4 by 3 and see black bars on the left and right of the picture. You can zoom in and lose the top and the bottom of the image or stretch the picture sideways. Unlike standard definition, HDTV has a native widescreen format. Your HDTV set expects to see a widescreen picture. To compensate for this, the TV Drive team chose to add black bars to the left and right of the 4x3 standard definition channel. And we did this for two reasons. Firstly, our research showed that the majority of people prefer to watch 4x3 programs without the image being stretched. And secondly, it's necessary to keep the video and the graphics plane in tight alignment so that interactive applications such as the multi-screen sports coverage from the BBC looks right. We understand that many users would like to, us to offer the ability to zoom or stretch the 4x3 picture. And we're looking at how best to do this, but because of the complexity of keeping the graphics plane aligned, it's going to take some time to do. At this point, the feeling on our forums is that it will be content which will either make or break TeleWest High Definition Service. And this brings us to Mr. Brown's second question. I'm sure that there's many, many people dying to know the answer to this one. 
Will Telewest be taking advantage of the BBC's high-definition World Cup service and be transmitting the World Cup in high-definition? I'm afraid I, I can't give you a definitive yes to that question, as the contract hasn't been signed. But what I can tell you is that we're already very excited by the prospect of offering such great content in high-definition. And we are in advanced discussions with the BBC to enable us to do just that. Well, that's excellent news, and uh, I, I really do hope that that, that content is available because that will be a huge boost for the high-definition services on, on both platforms available at the moment. And another question that, that we have for you, Richard, is uh, what can you tell us about the plans for the future of high-definition content? Well, we're in talks with a, a number of content providers, and we're as eager as our customers to offer as much HD programming as possible. I can tell you we hope to be launching a selection of HD movies in the coming weeks thanks to our existing relationship with Filmflex and we're keen to offer HD programs via both on-demand and broadcast. We will announce any further HD deals as soon as we can but until contracts are signed I really can't speculate about ongoing negotiations. But um, our on-demand service will allow us to make some great HD content available before it's available and as a channel a number of our broadcast partners don't yet have enough content to put a whole HD channel together. However, that doesn't stop us launching it as on-demand content. And will the, the 10 to £15 subscription cover the, the future costs of high-definition content, or will you be adding additional premiums as those channels come online? Our plans for the future are yet to be finalised, but for now, all HD content will be free. And in the future, we will always have free content, both in broadcast and on-demand format. And will standard definition content, which has been upscaled, be clearly labelled as such before the programme starts? As many people, uh, especially in the forums, are confusing high definition with lower quality, upscaled standard definition pictures. Uh, they won't necessarily be labelled as such, um, but we are very strict on our quality controls and we've already rejected uh, a lot of content for being too poor. In addition, our customers are telling us that even the upscaled SD content is a lot better quality than DVD quality. And lastly, um, how big a part do you see high definition playing in TeleWest's future services and be that the TV service in general in the UK? It will be a, a big part. I mean, it's, it's growing momentum already. Um, and for us particularly, with our on-demand strength, um, we're not going to be limited just the number of HD channels as they come along. So it's, it's here to stay, and it will grow and grow. Well, that's excellent news, Richard, and many thanks for joining us today um, to talk us through TeleWest's services. And hopefully we'll have you back in the future when you have uh, some more details to tell us about this exciting new venture of yours. It will be a pleasure. Thanks very much, Richard. Thank you. Contact the AV Forums podcast. Email podcast at avforums.com. If you have any AV hardware issues which you'd like us to contact manufacturers about on your behalf, then please email avdoctor at avforums.com. Well, that just about wraps up the fourth AV Forums podcast. If you have any comments, feature suggestions or news for our podcast, please let us know in our feedback forum at www.avforums.com. This is Jason Bradbury saying thanks for listening, stay subscribed and tell your friends. The AV Forums podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and written by John Archer. The DVD News and Reviews Roundup was written and presented by Phil Hinton with gaming news written by Damon Dove. Original music by Andrew Bassett. 
The podcast was produced and mixed by Phil Hinton, and the executive producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited. <laughs>